Welcome back to Pack Talk Podcast, episode 80, where we're going to talk about how to bulletproof your dog's stay behavior today. And in episode 59, we talked about bulletproofing your dog's come command, which we also call your recall with your dog, and why that's important. So if you want to refer to that, you can. But in today's episode, we're focusing on the stay behavior. So a couple things we'll get into. First of all, why is the stay behavior important? Well, first, first thoughts in my head are safety, self-control, and healthy separation. So why do I want my dog to stay? Number one, safety. If there's something going on, you know, life gets crazy. Shit hits the fan real fast sometimes. If your dog does not know how to stay and energy skyrockets, emotions skyrocket, stress skyrockets as that shit hits the fan, your dog's safety or your safety could be in jeopardy. So that's one thing. The next thing is like self-control, you know, learning how to sit still, learning how to stay in position is a self-control thing, which is super important for a lot of dogs, super important for us as people too. You know, when me and Chris were at the Citadel, we learned a lot of self-control, standing at attention for hours and hours, right? So same kind of thing with the dog, having that self-control to stay in position and, uh, you know, other things are going to be going on around you, which leads into my third thought, which is healthy separation. We need healthy separations with our dogs. They need healthy separation with us. So healthy separation and self-control kind of go hand in hand, especially in regards to a stay behavior. So uh, those are the top three that come to my head when we're talking about why is a stay important. Chris, what do you think when you're, when you're talking about a stay behavior, what are the, the first things that come to your head? Why are they important? I mean, those, those three, you hit the nail on the head, obviously. Uh, with, <laughs> along with self-control, I would also call it impulse control. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So when I look at, t- like, uh, right now I'm dealing with a dog that has high, super high levels of insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. Super, like I would consider this dog a flight risk. You know, if I'm out in public, big mm-hmm. bang goes off oh, or something, yeah. that dog's gone. You know what I'm saying? So teaching a solid, a bulletproof downstay can also help them to overcome a lot of those uh, impulse to flee or mm-hmm. impulse to even fight, right? If we're dealing with like an aggressive dog, a reactive dog or something like that. So yeah. being able to control their impulses to have something very clear to, to focus on is going to boost up that confidence, reduce a lot of the the impulse to do things that we might consider undesirable. Yeah. So yeah. super important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing I hear a lot about when we're talking about a stay behavior is how long should my dog stay for? You know, some people think that their dog stays for five seconds. They think they know a stay. We got to stay down. (laughs) In my, in my opinion, if your dog's staying for five seconds, you got some work to do. You know what I'm saying? A lot of work to do. And then people are like, how long is it fair to make my dog stay for? You know, they think maybe 30 minutes is too much. You know, it, it depends. What do you need your dog to stay for? You know, your dog can stay as long as you need it to stay but you do have to be fair to it, right? So if I'm going to have my dog stay in, in a certain area or a certain position or maybe on their pet cot for like five hours or eight hours, which people are in shock, <gasps> five hours, your dog can stay that long? Yeah, my dog will stay that long. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I'm making sure that I set that dog up for success. I'm going to let it go potty before that. I'm going to make sure I exercise it before that duration then after that duration, I'm going to let it go potty again. I'm going to exercise it again. So it depends on what you have going on, but there should be no limits to your stay behavior as long as you are being fair to your dog. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you're going to incorporate your stay, which we'll talk about later in your day-to-day life. And that might be, 
you know, 30 seconds. That might be 30 minutes. It might be five minutes. It might be five hours. It just depends. You know, do you have people asking you about that a lot? Yeah. And it's, uh, you can tie that with the kennel, right? Same, same. We've talked about this many times. Like, oh my gosh, how long can my dog stay in the kennel? Right. It's like at the end of the day, as long as you're giving them what they need, Mm -hmm. it's very fair to expect them to be long in in the kennel for long durations or on a spot or in a down for long durations. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's very, very fair. And and especially with the down stay, that is exercise. That's a form of mental stimulation, Mm -hmm. right? Having a dog, again, working on that impulse control, staying in a down stay in a, in a command for a long period of time. While mm-hmm. there's maybe things going on, maybe have a family dinner, family's coming over, there's things going on, food's dropping on the floor, kids yeah. are screaming, yeah. people are moving around. My dog has to focus on holding that down stay. That oh, yeah. is mental stimulation. I've literally had cases where I've done family dinners and my hound dog, Lola, who's an anxious dog, she holds a spot for several hours while that family dinner is going on. After family leaves, she's tanked. She's smoked. You know what I mean? I'll let her off the spot. All she wants to do is lay on the couch and go to sleep, right? Because it's like she had a, she had to have a lot of impulse control to, to yeah. focus on holding that downstay while all that stuff's going on. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it is, uh, in my opinion, very fair. In, in, yeah. in that specific case, it was very fair for Lola uh, because now she's not reinforcing what she would normally be doing in that anxiety mindset, jumping up on people, right. snatching people's food. Right. Who knows? Who right. knows when she's not under control, right? Right. So I give her some mental stimulation and it, it actually exercises her brain, her mm-hmm. mind to put her in a more healthy state of mind. And then you can get to a point where it's not a big deal if you release her out of the spot in a family dinner. That's right. just one example. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Good, good uh, thing that you brought up there about not letting them practice the bad behaviors, right? So if she wanted to, you know, sniff around for food or beg for food, that's a bad behavior. If she was increasing her anxious mindset by following people around or just pacing around the house, you know, forms of anxiety, that's not going to help her get rid of anxiety Mm -hmm. overall. It's going to increase her anxiety overall. You see what I'm saying? So really good example there on how the stay is going to help you and help your dog. Right. maintain a healthy mindset and lifestyle moving forward, you know, but a couple of examples of stays that I've used in my life. First of all, you know, I'm walking down the sidewalk one day with my two dogs. All of a sudden there's a loose dog running around. Some ladies trying to get her dog. You see what I'm saying? So I just put my dogs into a down stay. I help this lady wrangle up her dog. I'm not even worried about my dogs. They're just laying in the grass. We help get this lady, her dog. She's on her way. You know what I'm saying? Cause the dog had gotten off leash somehow. She had no off-leash control, obviously. You mm-hmm. know? And once that was over, my dogs are maintaining their downstay. I just walk back to them. I get them up, and then we start walking again, right? So that's one example of how a stay could benefit you if you're wanting to help other people, right? And you have peace of mind that your dogs are just going to maintain that downstay. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Another thing that's happened to me before is walking on a hiking trail with my two dogs. They're off-leash. They're hanging out. They start barking at something on the ground. I quickly realize that it's a venomous snake, a copperhead call my dogs to me because I've bulletproofed that come command, put them in a downstay immediately. And then I walk over to the copperhead. I identify that, Hey, it is a copperhead. You know, it's, it's sitting here. It's pissed off. And so I remove it from the area and then I just go about my way with my dogs. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that stay could have saved their life if that copperhead had bitten one of them, you know, because maybe they were increasing uh, or decreasing their distance to it before I had com- called them to come. Or maybe the thing's trying to bite them. They're biting it. You see what I'm saying? So that stay could have been a lifesaver in that situation, right? Do you have any examples off the top of your head of stays that you've used? I mean, I know de- like I've definitely been in that scenario with the off-leash dog mm-hmm. where that's been very beneficial, Like especially when I was training with Vader, who was dog reactive. Mm-hmm. Like I, I started to learn where his threshold was, right? Yeah. So like when an off-leash dog would become running at me, like – 
to me, in my perspective, it wasn't so much about helping that person out. It was like, oh, I yeah. can't let this dog get close because <laughs> this is going to be bad. Yeah. Right. So I, I got to a point where I, I could put like, if I saw that dog coming, I could put Vader at a down, tell him to stay and literally move towards that dog. Right. right? And now right. I'm moving away and I'm grabbing that dog and I'm giving it back to the owner. Right. Mm-hmm. So sure. Yeah. I'm helping the owner out, but I'm also like, they don't understand like, you right. know, Hey, I'm, I'm helping my, my dog out as well. Helping <laughs> right. your dog is we're, we're all, we're all helping each other out here because it's, it's going to be bad if, if your dog gets close, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And then I go back to Vader and, and then in our relationship, what does that do for Vader? He's, he sees that I can control the environment. He, there's mm-hmm. no need for him long-term, long-term he's, he's going to be less reactive and whatnot. So I've yeah. definitely, definitely used that scenario, uh, multiple times, you know, yeah. I've also had scenarios where I've, had Vader and I'm working other dogs, like maybe a dog that I've fostered, uh, or even my personal dogs as I was going through some of their issues mm-hmm. and a dog fight breaks out between mm-hmm. the two dogs that I'm working. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Before I get to that point, I've already bulletproofed my recall. I've already bulletproofed my, my sit, my down, my stay. I've, I've bulletproofed those things. Right. Mm-hmm. So now active dog fight with two big dogs that are, mm-hmm. you know, close to a hundred pounds each, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I can very quickly separate them down. Boom. They give me that down immediately mm-hmm. and the fight stops right, right. now. I'm in, in control. So like, uh, again, just having that as like muscle memory is, is what is a bulletproof stay and that's going to help you in life. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, so where does a stay fall in the overall training progression? You know, episode 28, we talked about the steps to training your dog. We talked about our training progression, what we do from point number one to final point from start to finish. And so the stay is going to be throughout that progression overall. You can refer to episode 28 if you want to hear that discussion again where we talk about starting and finishing a dog and everything that we're doing to get the dog from where it's starting at to where you want it to be at. But the stay, you know, you can start that kind of ASAP, you know, because when we're doing our engagement work, we're also working on muscle memory for obedience work. In that muscle memory, we're already going to start developing our stay command. But it's going to be finalized as we finish up the accountability piece and the remote collar conditioning portion of the training progression is where that stay will generally be pretty much finalized. And then we'll focus on generalization of it and taking it out to distraction areas to, uh, you know, just make sure that it's a hundred percent done. So the stay is going to come throughout your overall training progression. Again, it's one of our, you know, the come command, the stay command are like our two safety factor commands. You know, they're the most, uh, safety conscious commands, ensuring your dog's safety. So we're putting a lot of emphasis into those throughout the training progression, right? So while we're talking about it, what are the main aspects of the stay and how are we going to build that stay? Well, there's three main aspects to a stay command. Number one, we have duration, which is the amount of time that the dog is in that specific position, whether it be a down position or a sit position or a standing position. It doesn't really matter, honestly, but uh, we generally will do it in a down position because that's going to be more comfortable for a dog overall. Uh, Down is a calming position, right? So if the dog is laying down in general, they're going to build more calmness also, If you have like a dominant dog that might be resisting you mentally, right? That down position is more of a submissive position. So it's going to help that dominant dog respect your leadership a little bit more overall. You see what I'm saying? So that duration piece is the dog's amount of time in position. That's the first thing we focus on. The second thing we focus on is distance and that's distance from handler to dog right? So at first you're going to be right next to your dog. Then you're going to increase distance from them, which we'll detail out here in a minute. And then we have distraction, which is, Hey, your dog maintaining that behavior, despite what's going on around you. 
You see what I'm saying? So the three main aspects of the stay that you have to focus on, you break them down, is number one, duration. Number two, distance. Number three, distraction, also known as triple D. So with that being said, when you're building this, let's detail it out real quick. So first of all, we need some engagement, which means that our dog is focused on us. Our dog wants to pay attention to us. We're building relationship, right? And uh, as we build that engagement, we're going to start muscle memory for different obedience positions. We're going to start luring that dog into different positions or if that dog is offering us an obedience position just genetically by laying down themselves, good to go with that, definitely. So we'll mark and reward that. Mark and reward means we're going to say good and deliver a food reward to them in general. Or we can mark yes and back up and let them come to us for a reward. <clears throat> but let's keep it simple. Let's use the verbal marker good, which means your dog maintains what they're doing. You step forward to them. You give them a food reward. So as we're working through muscle memory, we're luring the dog down. We're saying good. We're rewarding for going down, right? And at first when they lay down, they're going to pop right back up, right? Because they do not have any duration work. They don't know anything about it. If you see someone that's hammering the dog for not staying down without going through the luring and the muscle memory work, they're doing the wrong thing. It's, it's not fair, right? So we're going to do lots of repetitions of luring the dog into a down position, Marking good, rewarding them for, for going down. Maybe the dog's not going all the way down. This is what we call successive approximation where we reward them for putting their head down, putting their, their elbows down, putting their butt down. So we're re rewarding them for little baby steps to achieving the desired behavior, which in this case is a down state. You see what I'm saying? So we reward them for just moving down. All we're doing is luring with them marking rewarding when they're hitting the down we say okay we let them up walk around we do it again we lure them back down once they get comfortable with that process now it's time for duration which means we are going to stay in the same position that we were in when we put them into the down with a lure and we're at an interval of time going to say good and reward good and reward good and reward and that might be one second between rewards. It might be two seconds. It might be five seconds. It's going to depend on the dog. But your goal is to start with a very short interval of time and slowly increase the interval of time where that dog is staying in a down position. They're getting comfortable with it. And now you can wait three minutes before you reward, five minutes before you reward, so far and so forth. But you're maintaining your position in relation to the dog so you haven't moved away from them at all yet. You're just focused on them laying down, getting comfortable laying down for extended periods of time and with less rewards happening. You got any other details to add to that? No, I mean, that's the only, only thing I would add. I feel like a lot of, and I probably say this, I think in every podcast, but I think a lot of people rush the process. You know what I'm saying? So make right. sure you're getting in the reps, take your time. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't something like you might have a good session where you can build some duration in one day, mm -hmm. right? That doesn't mean that it's good to go to move on to the next step. Like get a couple days under your belt right. of building up these behaviors so that it's really, really solid. Mm -hmm. So I think the tendency that I see, uh, especially like when we do consultations and things like that, people say, Hey, my dog knows this, the stay. Mm -hmm. Right. But again, like mm -hmm. you said, it's like five seconds or it's two <laughs> seconds or, yeah. or none. Like once, once a new person comes into the house, dogs just not, not doing it. Oh, right. Yeah. So like oh, yeah. make sure you're putting in the work, putting in the reps, uh, take your time with it. There's no rush to, mm -hmm. to get this done. Yeah. So don't, don't rush through the process. Yeah. I mean, if you start rushing it, then your dog <clears throat> might get stressed out. They might stop liking it because you want them to enjoy what they're doing. 
now you've kind of backtracked. Right. You know and more saying? likely, they don't really understand it. Right. right? So like exactly. you're not like it's not really fair because right. they they had one good session or one good day mm-hmm. of doing it doesn't mean they really have an overall understanding of it. Right. So they just need more reps. Yeah, absolutely. Just like with anything that we do, yeah. you know, it's going to take us more than one session or one day to grasp something. Hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you're trying to do. All right, so that's duration. That's the kind of detailed version of duration. Just keep in mind, you're going to extend the interval of time between your rewards as you get your dog more comfortable with staying down. Once your dog is pretty comfortable staying down, I don't want to put a number on it, but you know, if, you, if you're comfortable sitting there for a couple minutes, not doing anything, just standing there, your dog's comfortable laying down, then you could probably start proceeding into the distance portion of the stay behavior. And the way you're going to do that is you're, you've started in your same position that you were doing duration let's say your dog's laying down you're just standing by their head you're saying good you're rewarding them right to their nose now you're going to take one step away from them if your dog maintains position you're going to say good you're going to step back to where you started at and give them a reward right and before i proceed from there let me just uh mention real quick that at any time during duration work or distance work if your dog gets up All you're going to do, you're going to take the leash. You're going to say no. Little tug on the leash. You're not giving them a a hard correction. You're just giving them a little soft pop on the leash. You guide them back to right where they were, where they originally had started to stay at, and you have them go right back into a down. And you can do that with a lure. Okay. Remember, your dog doesn't understand this stuff. You're trying to build it up. It's different than if you had a dog that you sent to a trainer to get trained right? This is if you've not sent your dog to a trainer and you're doing it yourself, or if you're a trainer doing this, you see what I'm saying? So if the dog gets up and during this process, you say, no little pop on the leash, guide them back to where they were, put them back into a down, uh, usually with the lure. And then you just go right back to what the, whatever you were working on at the time. So with the distance, your dog's laying down, you're standing next to your dog. You take one step away your dog maintains their down stay. You say, good. You step forward, you reward. You take a step away. You say, good. You step forward, reward. You're going to repeat that process. Now, once your dog's comfortable with one step, you're going to start taking a couple steps away. If your dog maintains the down, you say, good. You start walking back to them. You reward, take a couple steps away, right? You repeat that process. And that's the distance piece. Now we start with a six foot leash with all of our training. So we're going to get about six feet away from the dog you know, in our distance work at first, then we will progress from there by using long lines and off leash work later on in our training. So I would say for you guys doing this at home, you know, get about six feet away. Once your dog's comfortable with that, then you could proceed into the distraction portion of the stay behavior. So before we do that, is there any other tips or tricks on the distance piece? Yeah. So, I, I mean, every, all dogs are different. I've had dogs that literally, like you, because think about when you're luring a dog into a down, you're literally bending over down with them. Maybe I may right. be even kneeling, right? And getting like almost <laughs> down with them, small right? Dogs. And yeah, small dogs, <laughs> definitely. Um, but some dogs can't even handle like you moving away from them. So like before you may, you may not even be able to be at the point where you take one step away, you know, before, like, let's say I lure the dog goes into down and I just start right. to move back up and the dog's right. popping back up. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. So again, success of approximation applies for us as well. Like I may just have to be getting that dog used to, like I might stay in my hunched over position or down on my one knee as I've lured them. And maybe I just say good. And I'm just moving my hand up to my bait bag. Good. Mm. Bring them bring down another reward. Good. Just get them used to literally 
literally me moving my hand away from them. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I'm moving my foot up, right? Or I'm taking my knee off of the ground. Good. Reward that, right? So you may have to baby step this because some dogs, because I think we're doing, like at this point, we're doing a lot of engagement, a lot of rewards for being near us, focusing on us, paying attention to us. And so now we're trying to get to a component where we're creating distance from them. And some dogs uh, can need need a lot more reps, right? Because mm-hmm. they're not click. They're like, hey, I'm supposed to be near you. I want to be near you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so to get them to the point where you can take one step away, you have to may- maybe take a couple of other baby steps, you know? Mm-hmm. And then even when I get to the point where I can take one step maybe that's too much maybe i'm just literally moving my foot back a little mm-hmm. bit you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah but when i do baby step this and i get to the point where i can go out to the end of the six foot leash i then tend to i like to work in a circle around the dog right, right? so as i get out i say good i come in i reward i go back out to that six foot now i start maybe i'll take a step to the right then i do the same thing good reward so you're working on your distraction Work that you're starting to yeah. put a little element of distraction right. for sure. You are right, yeah. but the the distance also applies to where because like some dogs don't like you don't like it when you're behind them. Yeah. I, I can't see you. Right. I can't see you. Right? right, and they they don't understand. They can adjust the look or whatever. They just pop up. Right. Yeah. And so now yeah. we're still we're still working on a little bit of that distance, but it yeah. is definitely distraction because you are the distraction at that exactly. point. Exactly. One thing before we move to the distraction piece is a uh, thing with distance that I've used before. A little trick. Is uh, you know the dog's laying down. Sometimes I'll put the reward between their paws for a mm. dog that's that's like tempted to get up if I just move away. So I'll put my food reward right between their front paws because they're laying down, so they're eating it while I'm moving away. Mm. But sometimes I'll take like a couple pieces of food rewards. I'll put it in their paws, so now they're eating for like a minute or so as I move away, and then I step back again. And the reason why that is effective in some cases, again, I don't, this is not my go-to. My go-to is what we already talked about. This is for those, like you said, every dog's different. I need to use some, pull some different things out of my tool belt sometimes. So I'll give multiple pieces of food because the dog is aware of where I'm at. They're aware that I'm moving, but they're kind of, you know, rewarding themselves through the process, right? And they're maintaining that downstay. You see what I'm saying? So that helps the dog get used to you moving away and coming back for a dog that's a little bit sensitive to your spatial pressure. For sure. You see what I'm saying? So good to go there. But distraction, distraction is going to start off with that aspect is going to start off with what Chris detailed where just imagine a wagon wheel or like a bicycle, bicycle wheel and your dog is like the center of it. I don't know what they call that technically. The hub. Sure. Not the hub, something. something. <laughs> I don't the center know. of the wheel, right? <laughs> and then you have your rim, which is all the way around. You have the spokes that go from the center to the, to the rim, basically. And so uh, what you're going to do as the handler, your dog's in the center. You reward them, right? Then you step away to the rim. So you're walking along the spoke, for example, to the rim. Then you start walking along that rim around your dog. Your dog maintains a downstay even better yet, maintains eye contact on you. You say good. You walk down the spoke back to your dog. It's in the center of the wheel per se. Then you step back out to the rim. You walk around again, right? So this is the first element of distraction and you are the distraction like Chris said. And uh, with that being said, like he already said, like he already mentioned, once you get behind that dog, a lot of times the dogs want to pop up. And if they do that, you're just going to little pop on the, you're going to say no, pop on the leash, put them right back down lure them if you need to you see what i'm saying because you're getting them used to that but a lot of times insecure dogs nervous dogs they don't like you behind them or dominant dogs either so you're gonna have to practice that work on that and maybe that means you're gonna have to pie out what areas you're working on in relation to them before you get all the way behind them 
So maybe they're comfortable with you getting about, you know, 90 degrees to their side. And if you bypass that 90 degree angle, they get up. So you're going to start working from zero to 90 degrees. You see what I'm saying? Make them comfortable with that. Then you go past the 90 degrees to their side, right? Um, so that's just one example. Um, and that's critical because once you do actually go into what, we, what we're going to be doing next for distraction work, your dog needs to be comfortable with things moving on around them, things being right behind them, stuff like that. So the distraction starts out with you doing the wagon wheel drill where you're walking around your dog and full 360, rewarding them for maintaining that downstay, rewarding them for maintaining eye contact with you. And then you're going to do the next thing, which would be like a step over, right? So you're going to walk towards your dog. You're going to literally step over your dog and walk the opposite direction. That's just taking the distraction piece to the next level with just you and your dog. You see what I'm saying? There's a lot of stuff you can do with you and your dog, um, like at your place by yourself before you even go out to serious distraction work. You see what I'm saying? But those are the fundamental distraction drills we're going to do before we start uh, implementing other things. What yeah. else you got on distraction tips and tricks? Just again, tricks. don't don't rush it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you if you're not at a point where you can walk a full 360 around your dog, you're not ready to go into distraction. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So a lot of again, this is where people have a good good day. All right, mm -hmm. let's rock and roll. We're going to a farmers market or we're going to <laughs> Lowe's or whatever, and, it's, yeah. and then it's just utter chaos. Like they don't even know right. the down or the stay. Right. So right. like, make sure you're like, dude, yeah, I've mastered this in the home environment. Now I'm mm -hmm. going to my driveway. I'm going to my backyard. I'm in the neighborhood. I can walk. They can put them in a down. I can walk all the way around them. Step over top of them, mm -hmm. and they're good to go. Now we're ready yeah. for the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And I like how you said. You know, you're doing it in your front yard, back backyard driveway community center in your neighborhood like most people live in a neighborhood that's what we recommend so mm -hmm. as you get really good at the 360 and step over fundamental drills then you're going to do it in different areas front yard backyard driveway sidewalk on your walks on your walks pick out little spots to practice this go to your neighborhood community center you know these are easy areas they're low-key environments but you're adding in that distraction to the next level this is starting to get into what we call generalization, which is making sure that your training is solid no matter where you go. So it starts in the most easy areas. Again, don't rush the process. Take it easy on yourself and your dog. Make sure you're both comfortable with it, right? Then once you're comfortable like in your basic neighborhood scenario, then you're going to increase your distraction and your generalization work very slowly. So maybe you go to your local park and you're going to do the same drills. And if your dog is struggling there, you're going to go back and you're going to focus on duration drills right there at the park. Then you're going to do dis distance drills right there at the park or you're just stepping away, stepping back, stepping away, stepping back. Then you go to your distraction drills, which are the 360 and the step over drills in addition to the other stuff that's going on around you. And so recommendations for implementing that would be starting in your basic neighborhood environment, go to your local park. Then go to like a low key, you know, shopping area, shopping center, then start going to restaurants and like farmers markets and beaches and things like that. So you're going to slowly just ramp up the level of the uh, distractions going on around you as you progress in this training. See what I'm saying? Um, what other tips and tricks you got for that? No, that's good. Any distraction uh, elements of progression that you like yourself? I mean, that's, that's pretty much what I stick to, but I probably, especially if I'm talking about like training my personal dog, mm -hmm. I probably hang out 
for a long time at this lower levels and slowly build it up, mm. especially having a dog reactive dog. Like mm. I think that was one of my early on, one of my big mistakes. That's why I harp on saying, mm. don't rush the process. Like mm. I was always like, yep, it's good to go. I can, you know, I can correct my dog if he gets up. Now let's go to the, let's go to the high level stuff. And then he loses it, right? Cause mm. there's a dog that's too close. And it's like, right. ah, now I need to take a step back. So after right. spending so much time taking step back, steps back, I'm like, I really want to master this at this level. You right. know what I'm saying? So now right. when I go to Lowe's, I remember in the early days back when we worked, you know, in a neighborhood on oh, yeah. my way to work, I'd go to Lowe's right. and like, that's where uh, Vader would eat his breakfast, right. Yeah. Or do work on it. Literally a downstay eye contact drills, right. Oh, yeah. Just at Lowe's. And like, and I would do way that. Home too. And then on my way home, on my way back home, <laughs> Lowe's was perfectly situated right on the way. Between work yeah. and home. <laughs> it was perfect. So like, I'm, and I'm only focused on that environment. Like, yeah. cause again, the bigger picture for me with Vader was what dog reactivity, right. And this mm. is something, a, a common theme with a lot of people. We look at the, the big picture, which is good to track, but right. at the same time, it's like I got to master Lowe's because if right. I, I if I can't control him in a downstay at Lowe's, yeah, then I'm I'm not gonna have control of him when he's in a high arousal state going after a dog, yeah. right? So like, yeah. spend your time mastering those fundamentals, and once once you've really mastered it, and I'm talking consistency, and it might be several weeks at that right. w- that one location, right. then you move up to the next level, and we do the same thing, right? right. right. So like, this is different. For those of you that might be trainers, right, doing boarding trains and things like that, might be a little bit different because you got timelines and things like that. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta put in the reps, right? Mm-hmm. With your personal dog, there's no, there's no timelines. Like, right. take your time, master it, then move to the next level. You're gonna right. see way better results than if you were just, yeah, we're ready and and, and try right. to push it. You know, and if you're a trainer too, taking your time with the fundamentals will benefit you later in the yeah. dog's training, right? Oh, yeah. If you're trying to rush through the uh, fundamentals that's where it's going to bite you in the ass the most you know what i'm saying uh real quick going into scenario based training for this day so i like to tell most people that i work with hey you should feel comfortable taking a shower and your dog maintaining a downstay while you're in the shower right you're butt ass naked you're not going <laughs> to run around getting water everywhere what's the matter ben you imagine and seeing me naked i've seen it we've all seen it <laughs> So you like I want you comfortable taking a shower with your dog, maintaining a down stay, and you not worrying. Not you with know? your dog. Not with your dog. Not, not yeah. the shower no. with your dog. And your dog should not be like right outside your shower door. Like your dog should be in your living room. You're in your bathroom in the shower. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? That might be upstairs. It might be on the same level. It depends. So what are you going to do to get to that point? You're going to do scenario-based training for the stay with your dog, which is kind of like part of distraction training. But what you're going to do is just like practice downstays in your home while you're doing other things. So you might be cooking your breakfast, right? You might be in your bathroom uh, cleaning your bathroom, right? Or you might be in your bathroom using the bathroom and then you come out to check on your dog, right? So you're going to have to practice. That's like a distance and a distraction piece where you're moving out of sight from your dog, which we haven't really discussed, but your dog needs to be comfortable with you being out of sight, out of mind, and they maintain that behavior because of their respect for you and your boundaries. You see what I'm saying? So I want everybody to get to that point where you're comfortable going out of sight from your dog and then coming back and your dog's right there. And knowing while you're gone that your dog is just going to maintain that stay. So I'll tell you a quick story. This was when Chris was an apprentice. Me and Chris went to lunch one time because uh, let me tell you another story. Oh, here is, we go. Uh, Whenever Chris started working at Canine Revolution, I started eating out a lot more. This is false. Because Chris, false. Because Chris you know, came from the uh, law enforcement world, and they just go out to eat all the time, and he is still in that habit. <laughs> this is fake news. <laughs> so we go out to lunch at Dog and Duck in Somerville. We have Bane with us, who's my Doberman. And uh, 
We put him in a downstay on the patio. We both go in to go to the bathroom. He's just sitting on the patio by himself. We come back out. This lady could not believe it. She was amazed, right? And then yeah. we sat at her table. Bane was at our table. We were talking to her for like 20 minutes. Then we went back to our table and, and ate our lunch. So that is another level you should be comfortable with. I've also done it with my family where I've put my dog in a downstay. I've walked on the patio, rocked inside to get food, walked back out. The dog's still there. Now, the only thing with that scenario that I worry about is like people walking by trying to mess with my dog. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Um, but in general, if you know the environment and you can like visually see your dog, you can stop that from happening if you see someone going for them. But that's just an example where, you know, I trust my dog to maintain that downstay even in like a restaurant, even if I'm not right there next to them. And the only way you can achieve that is if you're practicing the out of sight, out of mind drills where you're literally you can't see your dog they can't see you but you're trusting that they're maintaining that and they're trusting you and they're respecting you and they're maintaining that you see what i'm saying do you have any tips or tricks for out of sight out of mind drills yeah because i mean i deal with this we deal with this a lot with our clients so like we do obviously we have spot training or a place command or whatever right Mm -hmm. and so in the transition period when a dog comes home this is something that our clients deal with a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, they're actually really good on the spot. But then mm-hmm. when I walk out of sight or, hey, oh, I go yeah. upstairs to go get the laundry, I come back down, they're on the couch, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're on the floor or they're just doing their own thing, mm-hmm. right? So again, got to look at the bigger picture and then break the behaviors down, right? Yeah. So I tell, I tell my clients, like, you have to make deliberate sessions of doing the out of sight, out of mind thing, right? right. So if, if our absence or, or even if they lose a visual is the trigger that causes them to deviate, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we've already done all the steps that we've talked about of training the downstay, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's in place. So now we have to proof it uh, specifically for when we're out of sight. Right. So like I literally will do like, hey, dog's on spot and I'll walk around the hallway, around the corner to where I'm literally right out of sight, but I am deliberately intentionally paying attention to my dog. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing other things. I'm not cooking, cooking. I'm not doing the laundry. I'm, I'm literally paying attention. You're right? doing a deliberate training session. Exactly. Right. right. So like I might come out, let's say I, let's say I go disappear around the corner for five seconds. Mm-hmm. I look over, my dog's still on spot. Good. I go and I reward them. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's say in that five seconds, my dog gets off. No, nope. mm-hmm. I'm going to correct them. No, mm-hmm. give them a correction. They go back down. Good. Right. Then I go right back to, uh, the trigger that, right. I'm going to go right back to the same spot where they deviated, but maybe right. I'm going to try to do it a little bit shorter. Five seconds was too much mm. at three seconds. Now I can reward that. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. you just break that behavior down till you going around that corner is not a big deal. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to find another corner to go around. Now I'm yeah. going to open the door. Maybe that in itself is a trigger, right? Or the yeah. doorbell is another common one. Okay. Doorbell rings. Dog, it's like, well, downstay, what's that? Right. Yeah. Boom, and they're running, they're running towards the door. So like that has to be desensitized. So how do we do that? We ring the doorbell more throughout and we're, we're going to make intentional training sessions of ringing the doorbell. Our dog holds, we reward. If they mm-hmm. get up, we correct them. Right. right. And so right. you have to break down whatever your goal behavior is and and break that down into small little baby steps steps as to how we're going to achieve that that bigger goal right mm-hmm. so it's cool to see you put Bane down at a downstand, go into the restaurant, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, hey, I want that. But yeah. nobody sees all the little baby steps that you did along the way to right. get to that point, right? right. And so sometimes right. it means breaking things down, you know, kind of simplifying things for, for you and mm-hmm. for your dog and, and baby stepping that all, all along the way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes you need some help. Like if your dog's really struggling when you're doing the out of sight, out of mind drill, they're struggling to maintain a stay and you're constantly going back and forth. Sometimes your dog needs a little bit of help. So what you can do is you can put a tether on them Mm -hmm. and, you know, you could use a leash, you could use like a uh, back tie wire, whatever you can get things on Amazon, but basically you're going to secure your tether to 
something that secure, you know, like it could be a table. If you're in your house, it could be like you're a tree or a car. If you're outside or your fence post or whatever, you make sure the tether is slack. Your dog should not feel any tension on that tether unless they break the stay. So if you walk out of sight and they get up, then that tether can go tight. So you have to set it up to where it's loose until they get to that point. Because what that's doing is it's helping you provide guidance to your dog without you going to your dog. Because what will happen is like the dog knows that if they get up, you're going to come back. Right? right. So this helps alleviate and eliminate that. You can maintain distance from them. You can hold them accountable with your remote collar once you have the remote collar conditioning done. And uh, that tether helps provide guidance to your dog on where to go for you. So pr- you can use that for some points in training. It's really going to help you get that separation down and it's going to help you get that guidance that remote guidance to them but again you have to set it up right there should be no tension on the tether unless your dog gets up and is departing the area of the downstay they're supposed to be at Hmm. you see what i'm saying yeah so that can be a really good tool too little tip and trick yeah tips and tricks one other thing i thought about so when you're at this point you've already done all the things we've already talked about, right? Working on mm-hmm. that distance, duration, distraction. Mm-hmm. You've done those, those fundamental drills. Mm-hmm. When you're at this point where you're just applying it to everyday life, I think sometimes people forget to still practice those, mm-hmm. those fundamental drills, fundamental. right? So that's another thing that I always ask my clients. How many obedience sessions are you doing a day? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is your day-to-day looking like? Or are you just now holding them to, like, the only downstay I'm doing is my spot command or whatever, right? right? right. So, like, you still have to practice and maintain these behaviors Mm -hmm. so whenever i take my dog out for a potty break i might do a downstay Mm -hmm. eye contact drill or something Mm -hmm. where i'm going back to the fundamentals and still incorporating that in day-to-day life because that is going to overall affect all the other stuff that you're working on in in day-to-day life right and something else too that you can use to your advantage is uh your dog might be used to going down and staying if you're standing up and giving the command Mm. what about if you're sitting down Mm. what about if you're laying down what about if your back's to them so you can change aspects of your position in relation to your dog's position and still have, have them adhere to you, you know? So like, for example, I, I can drive my golf cart, like my dogs will, will walk with my golf cart, whatever. I can stop it. I, can, I don't have to get out. I can tell them down, stay, and they will because I've practiced that with them, you know what I'm saying? So if you want to be able to do stuff like that, like golf carts are really big nowadays, especially mm-hmm. in these communities that have golf cart trail, golf cart trails and paths, teach your dog to walk next to your golf cart. You know what I'm saying? And then if you need to put them in a downstay, you can without even departing your golf cart. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? If you need to like drive across the road to your like mailbox and back, your dog will stay on the safe side of the road in a downstay while you're doing that. You see yeah. what I'm saying? So that's just more things that you can detail out in your distraction work, generalization work, you know? And I mean, the opportunities to use this are endless. Yeah. So think about your life. Think about things you like to do and practice to getting the stay and the down incorporated into those things you like to do in life, right? So for me, for example, a couple things I like to use a stay for are, uh, you know, if someone comes to my front door, I'll put my dog on the spot in a down stay, which is their pet cot. I'll put them on their pet cot in a down stay before I answer the door. You see what I'm saying? If I have, uh, like if my kids have friends come over, I'll put my dogs in a downstay on their pet cot, right? If I'm outside, you know, and uh, that copperhead, you know, that copperhead scenario, I can put my dogs into a downstay, right? If I'm loading my kids into my car and I have my dogs with me, I can put my dogs in a downstay, I can load my kids up, then I can load my dogs up, right? We took a trip recently 
And, uh, you know, when we got to our Airbnb, I offloaded the dogs. I put them in a downstay right outside the car, got the kids out the car. Then I let the dogs up after that. You know, we stopped at a rest area. I get my dogs out the car. I put them in a downstay. I get the kids out, do the kid thing, put the kids back in, put the dogs back in. You see what I'm saying? So you can literally use this in any area and possible uh, possibility in life as possible, but incorporate it in your life. Because once you get to the point where you're basically maintaining it and you've already trained all these specialized scenarios, like Chris said, you need to do, make sure you're doing your training sessions, but also just incorporating it in your daily life helps maintain that level as well. If you got to a high level of stay behavior, then you never practiced it. Your level of stay behavior is going to degrade. You see what I'm saying? What are some things you like to use it for in daily life? I mean, aside, in addition to, I use it all the same stuff you, you mentioned, but yeah. one of the big things that I think about is like Lola, I mean, Leia too, but mostly Lola, she gets excited when people come over, mm. you know what I mean? So like mm. when people are driving down the driveway, oh. she'll go to the vehicles oh. to check them out, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's never like, I don't, I don't think she would, she would not move out of the way if the car cup keeps coming, but I do have concerns for like the mm. people that are coming, whether mm. it's family members or UPS or whatever, like, are they paying attention? <laughs> do they see her? Right. And so in that case, like, obviously I ha- I'm having a recall, right? right? So right. I'm recalling her, so putting you got her your bulletproof recall, got my bulletproof recall you to episode 59. I, I think I was in, oh, you episode, in I think I was 59. in episode 59, oh, oh, possibly, oh, I don't oh, know, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm, I'm going to recall her away from the driveway, right? Cause at yeah. this point it's just like, let's say they're, my dogs are free roaming. I'm just hanging out doing yard work or maybe I'm taking a nap on my porch. I don't know. With your shirt off. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but I hear the cars coming, right? So now I can recall her cause she's already, Hey, who, what's that? Mm. I'm going to check that out. I'm yeah. recalling yeah. her, putting her to down and yeah. then whoever it is, you know, UPS, I can go meet them or my yeah. family, they come and then I can release her or whatever, but I'm yeah. keeping her safe. Right. Cause I have little, I'm like, oh, I don't know if that person's paying attention. Are they going to run over my dog? Mm. Right. So from a safety mm. perspective, I just want that immediate control right. recall downstay. No issues. Right. So. Right. Good to go. All right, well, that kind of wraps up our discussion on the bulletproof of your dog's stay behavior. A lot of juice in there, so you might need to listen to it a couple times. But practice these drills and, uh, again, take your stay from where you have it now to where you want it to be at, right? Only you can do that. You can send your dog to training, and they're going to get it good to go for you if you pick the right trainer, right? But, uh, you know, the trainer's going to get it good to go for you, but you do have to practice it too, and you have to incorporate it into your daily life, right? And that's where you come in, right? So before we wrap up here, just want to mention uh, Pack Talk Podcast is sponsored by Canine Revolution Dog Training, where me and Chris are professional dog trainers as well as uh, Kevin and Lexi. So if you guys need help with dog training or you want to talk to a trainer, reach out to us. We'll be more than happy to help you. We're also sponsored by Canine Revolution Apparel, which we have the new Good to Go mug right here. Just finished up some Black Rifle Blackbeard Delight coffee too. Nice. Good brute. Nice. I also like the caffeinated AF. That's a good one. That's a good one. Definitely gets you up and going. I like the vanilla. Vanilla? Little, yeah. I really? like it. A little frou-frou, that. but it's good. I haven't tried that because I'm not frou-frou. <laughs> <laughs> like some flavor. And we also have uh, you know, shirts on Amazon. We got the good to go shirt. We got the guinea shirts. Chris has guineas. I haven't got a guinea shirt yet. <laughs> I need to, I need to get on it. You get a guinea shirt. I need to get on it. It's on we the got list. chicken shirts. Yeah. We got rain jackets. Those are super nice. They were good yesterday when it was pouring down raining. So anyway, check that out on Amazon. You can go to the link below and uh, check out whatever we have on Amazon. Also, Origin USA Jocko Fuel, right? We're big supporters of America. And one of the ways we can support America and ourselves is by supporting Origin USA and Jocko Fuel because everything that they do is sourced in America, made in America, 
by America. You see what I'm saying? Hell yeah. The jeans, the cotton is literally grown in America. The rivets and the jeans are literally manufactured in America. Everything's 100% America. You see what I'm saying? And they're the most comfortable jeans ever. Way more comfortable yeah. than, in, than any other pair of jeans. Which, by the way, if you didn't know, they're dropping a new rash guard today at 12. No, I didn't Limited know. edition. Nature mm. is metal. Really? Nature is metal. Mm. Might have to jump on that. Today at 12. Limited run. It's probably going to get sold out within <laughs> 60 seconds. <laughs> I'm going to try and be on that 60 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so anyway, Origin USA, you can use uh, promo code SINGER101 for 10% off. Also, Jocko Fuel. Supplements made in America, sourced in America, for America, by America, good for you. See what I'm saying? So you could you could get a monster from the gas station. If you want to die. That's about $2.70. You could go on to uh, Jocko Fuel, get you a case of Jocko goes, goes for about the same price with your discount code. But the difference is... You don't die. Right. The monster <laughs> is slowly killing you. The Jocko Fuel, Jocko Go is making you better. Mm. stronger smarter faster mm. healthier you see what i'm saying so you pick your choice you pick. that's right it's in your hands code singer 101 10 percent off right also coming up we have the canine revolution dog training nft program so uh what this is is basically a digital certificate it's only it's exclusively to alumni for now so you have to be one of our dog training alumni to have access to it for now and we're pretty close to releasing it probably here in the next month or so but what you're going to get is you're going to get a digital certificate where you can present it to local businesses and they will give you some kind of promotion or discount uh, for being part of the community. So a couple of the businesses we're working with so far, we have a lot more we're working on, but these are ones that have committed. We have Black Force MMA with the White Decker, which you can listen to his podcast. And me, Chris, and Ben train there uh, multiple times a month on our jujitsu and self-defense but super important, right? And a couple of things that jujitsu does for you, it forces you to be flexible, right? So if you're not flexible, you're going to start getting flexible, right? It also forces you to like get comfortable touching other people in close proximity. Or getting touched. Getting touched. By other people. Which is going to help you in the long run because if you're in some kind of altercation and you go hand to hand with somebody, you're used to that. Maybe you embrace it. Maybe you enjoy it. You want that to be familiar. I mean, I like it when people touch me. We know that. We know that. Yeah. Outside of jujitsu, he likes it a little too much. (laughs) If you touch me outside of jujitsu, I might do some jujitsu. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So anyway, Black Force MMA, you can definitely uh, you know work with them. Uh, Velasquez Company. This is my buddy Antonio, who's done all the uh, fencing on our property. Right. If you've ever brought come out to our property for dog training or boarding or whatever, all the fencing that was put up was put up by his guys, and. uh, he painted your house. Yeah, he does painting. That's his main thing is painting. So a lot of the th- anything that I've had painted here, he's done. He's painted the fence. He's painted Ben's house. So they also do like drywall repair, right? So if you need any of that kind of stuff, he's going to be in the NFT program. Also, All Is Well Pets in Somerville. <coughs> Big deal, right? Big. Uh, this is like the holistic pet store. So they got the, the food that's good for your pet. With no fillers, nothing that's... It's kind of like Jocko Fuel, but yeah. like dog version. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's good for you. I mean, we've sent clients there with dog allergies and they've right. resolved them. No medication, right. nothing. They're just from changing diets and yeah, stuff. Yeah, their uh, nutritionists on staff and all that will help come up with a plan for you and your dog to get your dog good to go, right? They have allergy tests there, which I just had been pick up one for one of our clients. 
um, who's having some allergy issues. So they're going to test and then they'll know what actions they need to take immediately. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? You can do all that through their store. And uh, also the owners have come up with their own line of like pet care. So they have their own shampoo line to get rid of the bad stuff in dog shampoos. They have like Derma Ease, which is good for hot spots, irritations. You can use it. Your dog can use it. You see what I'm saying? But they've made all that themselves, their own formulas. So they're involved with the program too. We have Sharpshooter Pressure Wash, He's which good to is go. uh, technically Chris's little brother. Technically. Not technically. He's, he's, my, <laughs> he's my little brother. But Josh, you know, if you, uh, if you need pressure washing on your house, your chicken coop, because he'll do my chicken coop for me when he comes out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he'll come out, he'll sharpshoot your house, get it good to go, get it clean, get your uh, sidewalks clean from all the chicken poop that's on them. My, my outdoor chickens? gym, he's got to pressure wash that oh, thing. Really? chicken you poop all that? over that stuff. Oh, you're going to have him do it? Yeah. <laughs> so that's good to go. Everybody needs pressure washing, you know what I'm saying? Especially if you're a home owner, that's critical twice a yeah. year. Uh, DT Mobile Detailing. So talking about pressure washing for your house, you got to take care of your equipment. You got to yeah. take care of your vehicle. Dave is a uh, Marine Corps veteran. He also runs a mobile detailing business. He's the best. He's good. And his prices are the best. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And even better with the NFT program. But he comes out, he's been coming out once a year <laughs> for me. He like cleans my cars once a year. They're good for like a year. Yeah. You know, I need to have him come out more often. But last time he came out, he did my truck, my wife's car, the uh, Polaris and the tractor. You know, got them all back up to a good uh, operating capacity. He also cleans out the engine bay if you want that which is good for longevity of your vehicle as well. Take care of your vehicle. It'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a Ford, then it probably will just not take care of you. Mm, that's even if you not, try true. To take care not true. Not true. Not true. 22 years strong. <laughs> Still going. So those are the uh, businesses so far that we've worked out agreements with. We have more that we're working on. So if you want to be involved in that program, definitely uh, stand by. And the first iteration, the first release is what we're calling the Plank Owners. And what the plank owner is, is uh, it comes from the Navy. Obviously, I'm, I'm a Navy mm. guy. So the plank owner in the Navy is the member of a crew of a ship when it was first commissioned. So if you're the first person to be on that ship, you're technically called a plank owner, right? So the first release of our NFTs are going to be called plank owners. So I think that's badass. It's pretty cool. So anyway, more on that. But you can also follow us on the socials. Canine Revolution Dog Training, Instagram, TikTok, facebook you can learn how to train your dog on our youtube also if you want to follow us i'm chad.singer13 chris is tipped in c1 right yeah ben is big boy java on instagram and facebook all right so if you want to follow us check that out and then last but not least just want to say thank you to all of our military first responders and teachers for all you guys do for our communities for our kids for our country we support you guys we're thankful you know, Chris was a uh, former law enforcement officer. I'm a veteran. So, uh, you know, really appreciate that. And uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns about the podcast, please reach out to us. We do listen. We do try to alter what we're doing based on your feedback. Please rate us and review us on your favorite podcasting platform. And until next time, this is Pack Talk Podcast, out. <laughs>